Now please join us for 30 seconds as we ground ourselves in silence. This very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room And so I invite you to just take a deep breath in this moment. Let that breath ground you even deeper into this present moment, this eternal moment, the only moment. And I will do the same. And so I stand with you today in, in prayer. And my prayer is not simply in my mind. My prayer is in my heart. I open my heart this day in, in gratitude and appreciation for everything that has brought me to this point and it brought us together all of the wonderful teachers that have touched my life, that have inspired me, that have helped me answer the call of possibility and creativity in my life. All of the people that showed up in my life that forced me to grow into a bigger idea about who and what I am. All of the people that have given me the opportunity to create and invite into my experience a bigger God that knows no bounds that stands in the abundance and the goodness and the love, unconditional love of this world, that stirred in my heart as a small boy these ideas, and to look around my environment and not see that longing being fulfilled, that compelled me to move upon this planet, to explore, to discover, to put down. All of that, such a beautiful, powerful journey. I am so grateful that we have come together this day. Imagine this day. What did it take for all of us to arrive here this day? Generations that have gone before us that still love us, support us and care for us, even though they are not in physical form, to know and re reciprocate their love by affirming the evolution of their deepening in consciousness, to know that there is no private good and that life is a continuum at the quantum level. No time. But I bless this time. In my limited thinking, I bless this day. I give thanks for musicians, for music, for notes, for prayers, 
for the silence between the notes, the prayers, the words, the ideas, where deep calls unto deep. So I'm so grateful for this prayer to share it with you and know that as I pray from my heart, I am transformed, I am shifted, I am lifted up, and I am so grateful to be upon this planet, to have been given so many gifts of love and wisdom and care, compassion, to be challenged and stretched, to grow, to learn, to develop, all of it and so much more. I give thanks knowing that 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 is my opportunity, your opportunity to be upon this planet, to create and to choose each moment and each thought. For this I give thanks knowing everything for each and every one of us reveals itself in the right and perfect way here and now or when appropriate. I trust in that, I live in that, and I stand. I walk by faith, not by sight. For this I give thanks, and together I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Well, good morning. Hey, you heard that they're remaking the Goonies. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? My sons, my two stepsons, texted me this week. He said, hey, Pat, they're remaking the Goonies. You got to get in that movie, because I was reporter number two in the first Goonies. Have you ever seen that? I'm the guy that says, what happened out there where your life's in danger? See, I still know my lines and everything. 28 years later. Mine like a steel trap. And I actually called the director. I didn't get a hold of the director, but I called somebody in his office. But I think we should start a grassroots campaign. We get petitions signed at every, we get everyone in Edmonton to sign it to get me back in the movie. What do you say? Okay, thanks. Just a thought, just saying, yeah. Whether there's a reporter in it or not, some guy at some point will stand up and say, what happened out there where your life's in danger? Oh, some of my greatest performances are on the cutting room floor is all I have to say. So anyway, with that in mind, uh, what a beautiful uh, opportunity to have um, Andrea or and- Andrea? Andrea. Andrea. Andrea with us today. She just is such a light and, and beautiful music and Rhonda to be here and sing with her it's such a joy so we're building on this wave you step in on the wave of, of uh, light and love so I wanted to uh, share some ideas with you interestingly enough I had a, I have a quote that I was going to put up on the screen and it got corrupted we can't get it up and I think hmm isn't that interesting because I think God had something to do with this that's supposed to show it to you so I'm going to invite you I'm just going to recite it to you in Matthew Jesus is quoted as saying, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So I want to leap off of this idea today because it's really interesting. In metaphysics... And I think the most sane and and insightful uh, approach to Scripture. There's such wealth in Scripture. And yet when people have used it as a weapon against it, there's a tendency to discount it. Do you find that? Sometimes it's like, you know, this is is a literal interpretation. And it's like, well, can 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 I not have to suspend my critical thinking? Do I really have to adapt your opinion about that? And I think that's a challenge for all of us. But it's for us to take it in. And so what does this idea of laying up our treasures in heaven mean? But, but Christ always talked about the teacher. The Christed is an anointing. The Christ means anointing. And Holmes said that Jesus was not the great exception, as many think. He was a great example. 
that he spent his entire career trying to embody and express the Christ consciousness. And it's a principle. And it's male and female. And so this Christ principle is alive upon this planet. It's alive within each one of us. And so laying up our treasures in heaven, heaven is not a geographical location. Jesus was talking about consciousness. Heaven is a state of mind. It's a state of being. It's a state of connection with the the, the source of all life that so many of the sacred traditions talk about at the deepest levels. The second slide, or actually the first slide today that you're going to see is Charles Fillmore said this, because part of what we're talking about with these treasures is that this idea, one of the great... It came up. Sweet. That's the second slide. Yes, thank you. Sweet. Thank you. God's messing with me here. Charles Fillmore said there's no reality in lack. There's no reality in lack, and yet lack is such a powerful and popular idea on the planet, right? Abundance is, is manifest here and now, awaiting our awareness of it which speaks to, and Fillmore was the founder of the Unity Movement, came along about 50 years before Dr. Holmes. And Unity is a beautiful bridge into what I would call uh, the later generations of New Thought teaching. There's no reality in lack. Abundance is manifest here and now, awaiting our awareness of it. So lack is a, a deficiency or absence, a want, a scarcity. To be, with, to be without what is needed is lack. And so we all experience that. I mean, if we look out on the planet and we look at the newspapers and we look at the news, most of it is around lack, which creates that need to be without what is needed. Need is a lack of something necessary or desirable. And desire is what we hope will happen in the future. So they all tie together. They're all first cousins. But lack is such a powerful tool. Lack is an amazing, amazing instrument for growing if we we understand lack. Lack, so we deal, you and I, and I do the same thing, we deal with lack by acquisition. We don't have, so what we do is we go and we look for it somewhere. See, there we are, we're tracking. (laughs) We deal with lack. I'm going to get a big mirror up here eventually, or maybe even a monitor. Who knows? We lack that right now, but that's a good thing. (laughs) So we deal with lack by acquisition. And our imagination always outpaces our holdings. Our imagination always outpaces our holdings. So we have something that we would like or think we need, and then we go back to our holdings and we look and we say, hmm, hmm, I don't seem to have enough in my holdings to acquire what I lack. But our imagination does that. And so our imagination is such a powerful tool. And we know the quotes by, by uh, um, Albert Einstein, that's the level of thinking that created the condition is not the same level of thinking that, we'll, that we can uh, switch or, or transform the condition. But, but the idea is that is this transformation of consciousness into that heavenly state of awareness. So what we do to manage this lack is we acquire we acquire it to prevent need in the future. So I have too many socks in my drawer at home. The reason I know that is because Laura tells me, you have too many socks in your drawer at home. I don't think I have too many socks. I have too many socks because when I go on a trip, I never take socks and I have to buy more socks. I bring them home and put them in the drawer. I've done this several times. So what I did is I healed my sock consciousness and don't do it anymore. 
So lack is what we have imagined what it would be like if God were not abundant, if spirit were not abundant. If abundant, Holmes says in our textbook, Dr. Holmes says in our textbook, abundance is our natural way of being. The, the, the beautiful thing about lack being such a great ally in our spiritual evolution is that lack is our invitation to go deeper. When we lack something in our lives, it's not a message from this arbitrary and capricious God that says, I'm withholding from you because I'm punishing you. You don't deserve. You're not good enough. Who are you? What it is, is just simply a reflection of where we are on the continuum of consciousness. Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so abundance is our natural state of being. But our imagination makes stuff up, and so what happens in our imagination, we long for something, and then we go back and look at the, what the reality of our situation and realize that what I'm longing for does not match what I'm capable of delivering or supplying myself with. Lack is our invitation to go deeper. And so we get into this idea of, of lack as being, if we, if, we, if we look at lack as a tool, as a loving indicator of an opportunity to go deeper, then all of a sudden we realize, wow, when lack shows up, it's an opportunity to do inquiry and ask questions. Because what I want to do is I want to live in that heavenly state. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, in this heavenly consciousness, in this unbroken connection with spirit. I was preparing this lesson, and someone came into my... Um, office with a book, beautiful book as a gift, yesterday. I was putting the PowerPoint together and I was right on the, the slide for heaven. And the quote, she said, and, and it was a note on the back that said, I think this quote in the back of the book you might really resonate with. And I opened it up and it was this quote as I'm doing this slide. She said, heaven is under our feet as well as over our heads, by Henry David Thoreau. Heaven is under our feet as well as over our heads. It is everywhere present. See, he was a transcendentalist and he lived in the New England area where Holmes grew up. Ernest was, you know, Ernest grew up in Maine, and, uh, and that movement, the, the birth of new thought came out of that for the Western world in the, the late 1800s, early 1900s. And Henry David Thoreau was one of those thinkers, very good friends with Ralph Waldo Emerson. In fact, Henry David Thoreau was so against the Civil War that he wouldn't pay taxes, and so they threw him into prison. And his buddy, Ralph Waldo Emerson, came to see him one day and said, what are you doing? He said, Henry David Thoreau, what are you doing in prison? And he looked at Emerson and said, what are you doing not in prison? He was willing to take a stand. So heaven is building ourselves a consciousness of abundance. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to get to that in a moment. I'm going to leave you with the practice today. God is the good to which there is no opposite. God's spirit is the good to which there is no opposite. See, what we have on the planet is a belief in duality. There's God in something else. And lack, is such a, and lack is such a powerful tool when we understand that lack is such an indicator. I've got to go deeper. There's things that I'd like to experience in my life. See, we're not here to consume, but most people think we're here to consume. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. I'm going to have this, and I'm going to get this. And that's all part of life. There's nothing wrong with consumption. You know, that's part of life, the, the joy of acquisition. But when that becomes the only activity, we're only, we're only involved in half the equation because what we're here for, I know this to be true for myself, we are here to contribute and to create. We are here to contribute and to create. And when we live from that, our whole life is abundant. 
When we, we discover and continue to develop our gifts and to realize, see, the only reason for spiritual community, and I'm really clear about this, I've been at this 16 years now, it only took me 16 years to figure this out, so stand back, here we go. <laughs> the only reason for spiritual community, the only reason to come together and do what we do is so we can contribute. And what happens is, and so when you see practitioners get up, why would somebody want to spend five or six years becoming a practitioner? Because the joy in being a practitioner is when you stand with somebody and know the truth and affirm it for them, you're affirming it for yourself. There's no private good. The prayer is a, is a, a vibration that captures us and lifts us all up. So it is in, in service to another to see the truth and realize that whatever your story is, I'm not believing any of it because what you are is, is the individualized expression of God. It's a gift. And it is, it's such a powerful gift to give and to share in and to contribute And so people come in the door. Some people come in because they're inspired. Some people are on their path and they're doing well, but they'd like to do better. You know, this this whole new thought tradition can really get wonky with this idea of acquisition. You know, the movie The Secret, I thought it was great, but it was all about acquisition. And it's beyond that. It's the the third kingdom of consciousness, which is co-creation, which is service, creating, contributing. And all the great spiritual teachers got there. It's what they stand for. But when people come in the door, it's, it's great to understand we need to be proficient at demonstrating things in our lives. We need to develop that proficiency. It's part, of the, it's part of the growth of consciousness. There's nothing wrong with it. But it is not the final destination. How much stuff do you have at home that you don't even use? There's your imagination. You know, I'm, I'm, I am abundant in socks <laughs> in many colors. I'm bringing them next week for Easter. I'm going to hand socks out to everybody. But I mean, I, I look at my own life. It's like, how much do I need? You know, I mean, a couple pairs of underwear, a couple pairs of socks. I'm good to go. I got a washing machine. But you know what I mean. So, so with, with this, this idea of lack and heaven, creating this consciousness of heaven is so important that Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about a, a, a geographical location. He wasn't talking about, you know, some place you're going to go that you're going to earn your way into, which is how I was raised, and that was a good tool. My mom used every good tool she had at the level of consciousness she lived at and still lives at for the most part. And there's nothing wrong with that. I let her have that. I don't have to wrestle that away from her. But, but the lack in that environment of insight and wisdom, and, you know, I, I wanted to go somewhere where I, where I could experience love. And my mother loved us as much as she possibly could, but it was very conditional. It was very punitive. And she was worn out. There were 11 kids in the family. I was worn out hanging out with them, watching all this stuff going on. Really? I had seven sisters. When you have seven sisters, do you know that you never get to keep a secret? There is always somebody reporting on you. And then they wonder why I stopped talking after about grade four or five. Nope, not doing nothing, haven't been anywhere, don't talk to anybody and done nothing. I've just been standing here the whole time. Go tell mom. I used to tell my mom, I'm just coming from Holy Mass, mom, and she liked that. No matter what I was doing, it was just down at the Holy Mass, mom. She liked that idea. Okay, so what transforms lack? What helps move us into a, a heavenly state of awareness of consciousness is Gratitude. Gratitude transformed lack into abundance. 
Gratitude is so powerful. Our hidden feelings, see, our hidden feelings, the things that are not on the surface, help create the needs being met in our lives. And one of the great insights that I love this is that as I was doing this work and I was studying, and this comes from Dr. Lloyd Strom, who, who uh, uh, Marcia Sutton, her, his partner, actually sent me a lot of this information. I was studying it. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so great. Because I called Marcia the other day and I said, I'm spinning in this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. We're looking at, you know, the conditions, the conditions within our community. Um, it's very interesting. This, this year, I set an intention that we would be fully supported by intentional giving, which is our pledge program. And our pledge program has been beautiful. It's been spot on. Where we're f- missing the mark and where we're looking at now cutting back some of the program is that our Sunday offering is about half of what we projected. And I realized, wow, look at the power of prayer. I've been affirming intentional giving is, is, is fully funded. And it is. So I'm going to change my prayer now. But it's very interesting. So within that, what it creates is an environment of lack. And so I'm spinning in it because this is my center. This is my ministry. And, we're, and we're, not, we're not celebrating and living the biggest life we possibly can. We're not able to fulfill our programs. And Marcia said, lack is an invitation to go deeper. I'm like, oh, thank you. Because I'm spinning and thinking I'm doing something wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. I just don't have a big enough idea of God. How big is your God? Because, and if it's not impossible, it's not big enough. If you can handle it on your own, you're boring. <laughs> Give God something juicy to work with. Give him something impossible. I can't do this on my own. But, I mean, and, and so there's abundance. There's a beautiful mentor that has gone before that has the wisdom. So our hidden feelings create the need being met. And the beauty of this as well is what, what Marcia said to me when we were talking the other day. She said, most people think that we have a longing and then all of a sudden we have a demonstration. Something shows up. We get the job. We get the, you know, the, we, whatever it is, the, the, the money shows up. And it puts us right into gratitude. It's like, wow, I'm so grateful. And what Marcia and Lloyd were telling me is that it's not that way. What happens is the feeling tone of gratitude allows the condition to appear. It is the feeling nature that creates that field of possibility so something can be made manifest. So hearing that, I'm thinking, why would I spend any more time in worry and lack and limitation? And when I find myself there, I get to say, wow, here's a call to go deeper. I think I'm, my imagination is outpacing my holdings because I think I gotta do it all on my own. And so what it, it's a call for all of us to walk by faith and not by sight. To set an intention, see our intention, what we set for ourselves, it's not just setting it one time, it's setting it consistently, time and time and time and time again. And not, not because we have to do the work, but because we can. And then it's totally different. Wow, my work today is to monitor and watch my awareness and where I dwell upon these ideas of lack and limitation and struggle. And to know that something powerful and wonderful is happening by means of me because I know what this looks like. I know where I want to go. That's why it's important to write down your intention. Write it down. I set an intention. Laura and I sat in prayer and said, we are fully funded this year by committed giving. So you don't see a bunch of fundraising going on because every year we're doing fundraising. Last fundraiser I did... I still remember it like it was yesterday, but I got up and danced for like 45 minutes. We had a dance contest, but I was the only male dancer. (laughs) And in the middle of it, I was worn out. And I thought, 
I wonder if Francis of Assisi ever did this. I mean, it was wonderful, but it was a horse and pony show. And I thought, why don't we just set an intention? Why don't we use what we stand for and say, this is our intention? And, then when, and if it shows up as lack and limitation, it just means we're not going deeper. I need to do my own work around this and invite other people to do it. And then I'm grateful for the opportunity, the insight, because then I know I'm a work in progress and I can live with that. I'm not broken. I'm not a failure. It's not cause to quit. You know, last week I was limping around here. I tore that calf muscle. And thank you for your prayers. And I had some therapy done. And and what it was was I I overdid it at the gym because I realized, man, I love what I do. I love my job. And I want to go as long and as healthy and as vibrant as I possibly can. And one of the things I can do is determine, determine how much activity I get and, how, and my diet and, and just how I think in my being so that I have the, the stamina and the enthusiasm. You get to this point in life and you start to acquire some wisdom and knowledge. It's like, I don't want to sit on the porch and rock. I mean, I do occasionally. I like to sit down once in a while. But I'm not looking for the, the goal line. I'm looking at, I want to create. There's things waiting to happen through me and I can sense it. It's like, wow, but I got to get my act together. I've got I to create space and time for that. And I'm grateful for that. It's gratitude that transforms consciousness into abundance. And it's, the, and it's the feeling tone that creates the experience. It's not the experience creating the feeling tone. But they happen almost simultaneously. I've never heard that before. I thought, wow, that's wonderful. Reach for the highest thought possible is what they say in Abhijani. You go before John and God, they say, your part is to reach for the highest thought possible. I said, is this not what we teach? You're in the, you're in the quantum field there. There's a wonderful teaching story of Krishna. Krishna has come down from the, from, the, from the mountain to speak to the monks. And Krishna is one of the deities in the Hindu tradition. And you read about him quite a bit in the Bhagavad Gita. And so Krishna is there with all of the monks. And one of the monks goes before Krishna and says, Master, I meditate every day for four hours. And I'm in service to the community. And I help with the orphans. And I help at the school. And, and I help with the, the sick. And he said, when... Will I reach enlightenment? And Buddha, uh, Krishna looks into his eyes and says, um, be four more lifetimes. And the monk is just, oh, he's just distraught. Oh. And he walks, puts his head down, and he walks back to his prayer chair. And another monk goes before Krishna, and he says, Master, I meditate eight hours a day, and I am the assistant to the, the, the uh, headmaster here, and on and on with his resume. And he says, when will I reach enlightenment? And Krishna looks into his eyes and says, Two more lifetimes. And once again, he's, oh. So he goes through all the monks come before, and they all get their series of lifetimes that they're going to have to keep doing their work to become enlightened. Everybody's done. They're sitting in prayer, and this thief is walking by the temple, and he looks in, and he sees all the monks, and he says, hmm, I'll go and see what's going on. And he sees he got there just before the last couple of monks went before Krishna. So the thief walks up and says, Krishna, I'm a thief. I steal whatever I can get my hands on. I'm... I'm in it for myself. I never help anyone. I'm never in service to anyone. Um, you know, I've done terrible things my whole life. How long will it take me to reach enlightenment? And Krishna looks in his eyes and he said, you will take a thousand lifetimes to reach enlightenment. And the man starts to weep and sob. And he says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know there's a chance that's possible. And he just, he's, he's so overcome with joy and gratitude. 
And he, he falls down to his knees. He puts his head down. And Krishna looks at him and he touches his head. And the man becomes enlightened. And it's a story of gratitude. Gratitude can crack us open and, and make us permeable. See, we just hold it so tight and I can do the same. I know I'm not telling it because you do it, I do it. Hold it so tight, nothing can get in. But to walk by faith and not by sight. Gratitude is our awareness of our oneness with God. When we, you and I, feel good, we feel God. When you and I feel good, we feel God. So why would we behave in ways that diminish and and we lose ourselves at times? Why would we do that? And we do. And so part of the journey for me has been catching myself sooner rather than later and then not spending so much time beating myself up because I've done something and I promised I would never do again, but simply saying, wow, I'm so grateful to look at that pattern in my life and the awareness I have about it now is allowing me to dissolve it. And now I can take it into my prayer chair and I can accelerate my work because my belief in lack has gifted me so much. It is, it's allowed me to look deeper. And so what I know is, I said three years ago, I'm looking at all that's going on around here and I'm, I'm spinning in this all week and I've been really doing a lot of my own work around it. I want clarity around this. You know, there's times I think, well, geez, you know what? The center, if I just go get a job outside the community and then the center will be supported in a different way because you, f- from your generosity, I'm able to do this full-time, but maybe I'm not the consciousness for this. Maybe I should go do this and then I can do this part-time. But that's me trying to do it by my old hand. Then I'm retreating. And I realize what it is is for me to do my own deeper work and to provide the service and the consciousness so that we thrive so that we are fully funded by intentional giving, so that we crack ourselves open, and that has to start for me first. Where am I in the way of this? And so it doesn't mean, it means we celebrate today. We celebrate in gratitude today, the gifts of today, the beautiful music, the message, the fellowship. Man, and to to allow that to lift us up. There's nothing we have to fix. We celebrate today and we set an intention and we welcome more we become larger containers for good. I have come so you may have life abundantly. I believe him. I believe that he said that. I believe in that consciousness. And so the beautiful opportunity, as I said three years ago, I, you know, we're the largest new thought community in Canada, and we're, we have a, you know, several hundred people that cycle through on a regular basis, and that's wonderful. But I said a number of years ago, I would, I would prefer not only we're the largest, but we're the deepest. And in making that declaration, I've watched the shift and changes that are happening. And what it's required, what's required of me is to be part of that. So I want to share with you a prayer practice. Prayer practices, this is month is prayer. Prayer practice is so powerful. And so there's some tools to prayer practice. Number one, prayer can be physical. Your physical prayer. Part of the prayer I'm going to teach you today, the last, one of the last moves is this. <laughs> Try and be miserable going like this. Okay? It doesn't work. The face just not, will not line up with this position, I'm telling you. But to do our prayer physically, because what we do, what our body does, our soul remembers. Number two, to do our prayers out loud. So when you go into work tomorrow, I want you to stand at the front door whenever it says, good morning, and say, there's a power for good in the world. That power is God, and that power is mine right here. Everybody down with that? Everybody going to do that tomorrow morning? Raise your hand. 
Well, no hands went up. That's probably good. What? Paul. Thanks, Paul. Paul will probably go in and say, I'm the bigger than the world. <laughs> You're a fool. That'll get your attention. So our prayer should be physical, out loud, simple. The Desert Fathers had, had uh, three, three uh, aspects of prayer. The Desert Fathers come out of St. Anthony's work. They should be simple, repetitive, and from the heart. Simple, repetitive, from the heart. Unceasing. And from the heart, yeah, right there. So that's, that's some ideas around prayer practice. And so what the prayer is this week, I'm going to invite you to join me in. And the group that was here earlier, they all committed to it. They signed away a, a document that said they would do that. The documents will be circulated later for your commitment and documentation. And we'll send a monitor with you throughout the week. Someone will watch you, make sure you're doing your prayer. Don't you love that, huh? The old Catholic way of being. Anyway... Your guarding angels will be checking in here shortly with everyone. Little, little time clock in the back there. Yep. Joya did her prayer. Clink. Yep. So here's the way this works. This is, comes from Marsha and Lloyd's work about d- dissolving this idea of lack. And you all, so a lot of you know the prayer, the physical prayer from our uh, Fear to Faith work. Right hand over the heart, left hand over the right. It's a very simple prayer. We're going to get it up there for you. You'll be able to see it. Write it down. The first move is to the left. The left hand goes out to the side. To the left is the past. Nero linguistic left's the past. And as we move our left hand out from our heart, we say, I release my belief in lack. I release my belief in lack. Nice. Right hand goes out. I release all my needs. All my needs. And this one, I am grateful. Hands go up, head goes up. I am grateful. God is. Lifting the hands, the wealth I am. That was nice. Boy, you guys are good. I am grateful. God is the wealth I am. And you bring it right back. Right hand over your heart, left hand over your right hand, and then you do it again. Lack, I release all of my needs, and I am grateful God is the wealth I am. I release my belief in lack. I release all of my needs, and I am grateful God is the wealth I am. How many times do we do that? Seventy. Seventy times at one time. That's the requirement. It takes you about eight minutes. Now, if you can't do 70 right away, oh, I don't have the time. I don't want to get rid of lack because I, I don't have time to get rid of lack because I'm too busy playing with lack. Okay, you see the, the connection? Five minutes or two minutes. But seven times 70 is what comes from what Jesus talked about. We must forgive seven times 70. Release it, dissolve it. Because as we pull it up in our awareness, Ernest Holmes said we must look at a thing long enough until it no longer has power over us. What I know about this teaching, what I know about what we stand for, it's powerful. It's powerful and it is in a beautiful alignment with what I believe God intends for us. To stand in our own divinity, to stand in that unbroken connection and to create and to contribute. And to to learn how to fulfill our needs, to learn how to work with lack, to build an abundance consciousness so that whatever it is that we see, wherever we see need on the planet, we're able to sit in our prayer chair and do our work and then listen deeply and know what is ours to do. Know what is ours to pick up. And that's that spiritual maturity. That's a spiritual discernment. That's so powerful. 
And what I know about this beautiful community that's come together, this opportunity that we have, it's, there's so much more potency in the group that we're called to do this. And if we don't do it, you know what God says to us? In its heart, this principle of God, not this man or woman, but this principle says, I love you. I love you. I love you. There's no pressure here. There's an opportunity to step into something bigger, to step into a bigger idea, to take my imagination that is always outpacing my holdings and realize, you know what, that's just lack showing up to guide me to go deeper. That, that, to, for me to grow a bigger idea of God in my own awareness and consciousness or spirit or whatever word works for you, but that unseen force for good. And that's a beautiful thing. And then, I, and then I'm, creating that, I'm, I'm creating that treasure in heaven. I'm laying up for myself treasures in heaven for where my treasure is. What I stand for with you is your highest and best. I want it for you as well as I want it for me because I believe that is our divine birthright of freedom and abundance. So wherever I have lack, it's our opportunity to do the work. It's just a restriction in, that, that limits the ideal to the form. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. So the reason that I love doing the releasing prayer, why I'm devoted to it, is because what I know is every day another cell of newness lights up in my body. And then, and then the legacy of limitation that my parents so lovingly gave me I, don't, I can put it down with love. I don't think my mom and dad said, you, here, watch us struggle and then you carry on the struggle. But that's the agreement that's sort of made with our, our, our generations, with our parents. But I don't think my dad and my mom, that's what they intended. I don't want my kid. I want my kids to grow beyond anything possible that I've established. But my opportunity is to lay the foundational work in consciousness, so it creates, a, it creates a, a wave, a draft that's easier for others to step into. And that's what we're doing right now. There's powerful things happening on this planet, powerful things for good. Here's Reverend Connie just came back. Hi, Reverend Connie, hiding behind Arnie. She's over in Kenya. Stand up for a second. She's over in Kenya teaching this. And, and, and Well, you're not in Kenya now, are you? But, but she's, she's back for a bit, but starting her ministry in Kenya to take this powerful, wonderful teaching and help transform consciousness and planting seeds. Who knows, but, but if it wasn't for the support of this small group of metaphysicians in, in Canada that have supported ministries everywhere that launched these things. We're building our 20th school in Malawi right now. And I don't think we're about building schools, but I think that creativity, that impulse to create greater good on the planet is showing up that way. We finally got our act together and are doing some things besides sitting around and, and blowing affirmations to one another, you know. <laughs> but that's the journey. You have, to, you have to build the momentum. And so my vision for what's possible within this community, it's huge. But I can't do it on my own. And I don't feel any pressure to have to, to do it. But what I know is that if we don't step up, if I don't step up and do it, it just goes on the scrap heap. What ours is to do is ours to do. And someone else will fill the void in some other way. But I would, what I know is, is that I would like, I'm curious enough to do the work to see what wants to be revealed. Because I know it's beautiful beyond measure. I know it's powerful. And it's true for all of us. 
I watched the Superman movie the other day because the guy that does the Goonies directed the first Superman, Dick Donner. And Dick's a wonderful man. Well, he didn't direct this one. But I love Superman. I was cheering through the whole, I love Superman. I'm like, yay! You know, he's a force for good. And I'm like, yay! You know, I'm like 12 years old again. Yay, Superman! And I loved it because in the middle of it, Kevin Costner played his dad. And Kevin Costner says, son, there's something special about you. And you may spend the rest of your life figuring out what that is. But the world needs that. And I know it's a comic book and this silly movie. And I just thought, oh my God. Yes. So you haven't done anything wrong if you haven't figured it out. Maybe we're all figuring it out as we go. But when we dive into to understanding it as the consciousness of abundance, the consciousness of oneness that allows us and propel, to, to propel us into a, a greater clarity about that and to understand that lack is not the enemy, lack is an indicator that says, you just need to go deeper. It's this or something better. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So this week when you're out there, direct that infinite intelligence within you. Spend a moment or two if you, you don't have the 70 times, but a bit of time to release. I release my belief in lack. I release all of my needs and I'm grateful God is the wealth I am. Blessings and so it is. All right, thank you.